Welcome to the Men's Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Sheridan House. We continue today in the series, So We Would Know, a study through the Gospel of John. If you missed any part of this series, you can find it and others online at sheridanhouse.org slash mbs. We're looking at one of the most strategic passages uh, in the Bible. And this strategic passage uh, would have made sense to them. It doesn't make sense to us. But uh, years ago, um, I was speaking out in San Francisco, and Rosemary wanted to come to go to San Francisco. So Rosemary came along, and she said, what would there to whisper to us today is just Rossi Napa Valley. And um, I'm one of the most boring people on the planet. And I said, why? She said, well, I just want to see it. It was incredibly profound for me. She also bought me the book, Secrets of the Vine, uh, which is one of the greatest books I've ever read. And it's about what you see right there. There's a wire. When you go see a, a vineyard, uh, there's a the thick plant and then the young um, uh, things that come off the vine, the branches. Cute. Thank you, that word. And they're t- attached to, you see that metal that goes right through the middle? It's to, once, the, and we're going to talk about this, once the grapes start coming, this little young branch starts falling and all of a sudden the gravity takes it into the mud. It's kind of us. We're looking at one of the greatest Hebrew symbols, the grapevine. The grapevine, the, the Old Testament talks about it in Hosea 10. It says, it says how prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant loaded, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. Psalm 80, I don't know if we have these, I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit, loaded with fruit. It says in Psalm 88, uh, you brought us out of Egypt as though we were a tender vine. You cleared the vine for us. So they get this. Jeremiah says, when I planted you, I chose a vine of the purest stock. The thought is, they just finished the Lord's Supper, just finished Passover. Lord's Supper to them would have been incredibly profound. They'll get it later. The Lord's Supper is the bridge passage. Old Testament, bring a lamb. Bring a lamb. And we'll sacrifice the lamb and the blood of the lamb. Uh, is this, it was really a pointing to Jesus. And now Jesus is saying, this is my blood given for you. You don't need to do that anymore. I'm about to do it. I'm about to die for you. Lord's Supper is incredibly profound. What's the most profound is, guys, when you do this, don't do this religiously. Do this in remembrance of me. I put on skin and died for you. This is my body broken for you. So they're walking, and they're, they're walking to the garden. And as they're walking to the garden, either one of two things happen. And it's interesting reading the commentators on this because they're diehards for their opinion. They either walked past the temple, and on the outside top of the temple, there's a big fresco of a, of a vine, of a grape vine. Big, big, big on the outside of the temple of the vine and the branches. But they also could, on the way, have walked past a vineyard. Either way, he's, he's pointing either at the temple fresco or he's pointing when he says this, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. I am. Guys, prior to this, prior to this, it's religion. It's been religion. It's not religion. This nation, Israel, is no longer the vine. This nation was the carrier of the vine. I am the vine. And you've got to imagine these guys just listening, trying to go, huh, what in the world is he talking about? I get the whole vine picture. And in heaven, I hope it's on, I hope it's on video or something, 
where we watch these episodes where they wake up, where they get, oh, that's what he meant. That's what he meant. I, Jesus, I am the vine. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener, not Israel anymore. I'm the connection. You know, the fruit doesn't come from the field, the fence, or the dirt. The fruit comes from this healthy vine that each year sprouts up new branches. Yeah, number one on your outline. Jesus is announcing that he is the answer, the connection to God, not religion or nationality. You know, and, and it's kind of funny to imagine. If he were to write this for us, he'd say, I'm the socket that you plug into for the power. You're just the extension cord. When you're unplugged, there's no power. There's nothing. I'm the connection. And so the whole challenge here is to find your way to stay connected and stay connected. Stay connected to the vine. So you produce the fruit you were meant to produce. I mean, when we get to heaven, I don't think we're going to find these dynamic people who absolutely blew it out. I think we're going to find people who stayed connected. So Lord, how do I personally stay connected to you? That's, that's the deal here. Uh, remember, they just finished taking the fruit of the vine. And it's interesting. The fruit of the uh, wine, how do you make wine? You crush the grape. You just crush the grape. So how do I give it up? I'm the branch. I'm not the grape, I'm the branch, but I need to produce fruit. How do you give it up? How do you give this thing up? And we all have these little areas of our life where we hold them tight, hold them very tight. There's this group that came down from another, another ministry to talk to me very recently, last week, and kept asking the same old questions that they always ask. How'd you do this? I have to keep saying, I didn't do this. No one's more surprised than me. And uh, how was it like in the early days? And I said, well, the first 10 years were a nightmare. I mean, Rosemary and I lost our apartment and had to move into Sheridan House. So there was absolutely no money. And, and then she's a public school teacher making 18,000 and I'm <coughs> at Sheridan House making nine, five, tell them. And she tells me she wants to be a stay-at-home mom, kill me now. Um, how we, I should be the one getting pregnant, not her. And, and how, how do we do that? And, and how do we figure that out? And, I, and they said, what was the turning point? And I said, the turning point was when I let go. Two areas. I kept dreaming, if we just had this amount of money, if we just had this amount of money, if we just had this amount of money. And it was all money to me because I grew up in a money home. And money makes the world go round. And when I, when I turned it around, and I, when I turned it around is when I went past the tithe in my giving. And my tithe was to the penny. They were the most bizarre checks you've ever seen in your life. Exactly to the penny. Uh, every other week and when I let it go because somebody challenged me to add a percent a year to giving and I thought you are kidding me and I didn't add a percent I added a half a percent those and again to the penny uh, they were bizarre <coughs> but as I started giving it up okay this is all about you all about you this is when it happened this is when um, I the, the, there's a foundation called the Robert O. Law Foundation that I'd sent a letter to asking them to consider sp supporting us uh, for 10 or whatever thousand dollars and that was huge and I finally I kept calling to get an appointment and finally they, they had to have, I could just keep calling every week, can I come talk to you, can I come talk to you and I'm racing out the door uh, and Lillian, my, my admin back then, calls me back in and said Judge Miller's on the phone and I said Lillian I can't talk, and it was pre-mobile, I can't talk to him. I'm, I'm, gotta talk to him and he's kind of a, a when I worked for the courts he was kind of my daddy there and so I go back in and Judge Miller just loves to talk mm -hmm. uh, and so I know I'm gonna be late and I call him and he says hey what are you doing and I said well uh, judge I'm racing up to Fort Lauderdale can I call you later I'm going to the Robert O. Law Foundation uh, to, a to ask them to give us money he says you're kidding I said no why he said I just bought 
uh, Bob Law's house. He said, you're kidding. <laughs> and I said, well, he said, go, go, I'm going to call. So I drive up there, I'm getting ready to make the presentation, and the representative for Mr. Law says, uh, just heard about it from, Sheridan, from uh, Judge Miller, here's a check for $100,000. Oh, it was crazy. I'm driving, home, driving back. Our, our budget then was $49,000 a year. I'm driving back and talking to God, crying, how do you do this? Bob, you, you still got in your head, money makes the world go around. I make the world go around, son. I got this. I got this. New covenant, this vine, new covenant, stay connected, stay connected. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. What does a, what does a, a vine dresser or gardener do? Well, the vine dresser takes care of the plants. He waters the plants, he fertilizes the plants, he kills the bug and bugs and other potential fruit robbers like little foxes, it says in, in scripture. He cuts off the bad stuff. He loves you enough to cut off the bad stuff. And he, he spent those 10 years, I was holding on to money makes the world go around. I didn't really know it, but cuts off the bad stuff, cuts off the bad stuff. Uh, does he do it because he's mad at the plant? No, he does it because he absolutely loves the plant. He loves the plant. He shoes the little foxes, but he also ties the fruit up so the little foxes can't get it because the fruit and gravity make it go down actually into the mud and doesn't produce fruit. Yeah, everything the vine dresser does, everything the vine dresser does uh, to the plant is for the plant to help it stay healthy and reach its full potential. It says in verse two, he cuts, he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more, even more. You're looking for a great read, Bruce Wilkinson, not a huge fan of his writings, and Annalise, please delete this from the tape, but not. A, but this book here is amazing, Secrets of the Vine, and Rosemary, she's, she's such a little intellectual dork. She buys me this book before we go to San Francisco to see Napa, because she knew I didn't want to go, and I go and I see Napa, and Napa comes alive. Yeah, this is a life-growing situation of he's gonna trim. He's going to trim what's in the way. He's going to trim what's in the way. He's going to slowly bend your branches up because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He adores you and he knows what he's doing because these branches, as he blesses with fruit, all of a sudden I'm taking the credit for what's happening. Success is a very dangerous thing. In fact, difficulty is a, is a blessing because i got to turn to you. Success is, look at what I'm doing. In fact, people should come ask me for advice. I'm pretty awesome here. And so that's when, and the picture here is he's carrying a bucket through his vineyard. And as he ties up these branches and gets them out of the mud, he cleans them with a bucket of water and, and a rag. Because I love you. I don't want to clean the mud off of you, son. The mud, whatever that mud is in your life, he cleans you. Yeah, number three, he cleans you off. He picks you up out of anything that can distract you from becoming what you were made to be. He knows what you were made to be. I was, I was introduced in Chicago by a mentor, uh, Dr. Hawley, who's the editor-in-chief at Tendall House Publishers. And he's the guy that came to me, and I thought he was kidding. He's the guy that came to hear me speak in another city. 
uh, on single parenting and he said you need to write a book and we're walking out and he said you need to write a book and I, I, when I don't know what to say to people I use humor. Humor is kind of my moat. And he said a comic book, a real book, what are we talking about here? Then he, then he said you need to write a book and uh, on, on what, that, that topic right there. So every now and then he'd show up where I am and, we're, and he was asked in Chicago to introduce me and the introduction was perfect at a banquet. He said Bob Barnes is the most average guy I've ever seen doing great things for God. He wouldn't fit in the Midwest. Uh, he's right where he's supposed to be, doing right what he's supposed to be doing. And then he looks over at me as I'm coming up. Don't ever leave Sheridan House. Uh, it would you wouldn't work anyplace else. You're where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and and it, the picture for me is God knew the grapes I'm supposed to produce. And if I get full of myself and go someplace else, it ain't gonna work. This is what I'm supposed to do. But there's discipline involved in Hebrews 12:6. In Hebrews 12:6 it says this. Let me see. It's on your outline. Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes those he accepts as his children. Revelations 3, 19. Revelation 3, 19. I'm the one who corrects and disciplines everyone I love. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. Because he loves you, because he loves you, he disciplines you for your own benefit. Some people get used to living in the mud. How many times over 40 years of counseling, have I heard this statement in my office? How did I get here? And there's a man across my table weeping. How did I get there? I got a new admin, and when I got a new admin, we we're doing projects together, and it was kind of fitting, and we're talking together, and, and my wife and I aren't talking together, but we're talking together, and then all of a sudden, we're getting coffee together, and then all of a sudden, over two years of time, I mean, I'm a Christian, how did I get here? Over two years of time, we go out to lunch together, and then one lunch, we don't come back. We go to a hotel. How did I get here? And he's just sobbing because the devil is patient. The devil is patient. He, he prowls like a roaring lion waiting to attack, it says in First Peter. He's very patient to take you down, especially Christians. And can I say, especially, especially, especially people in the ministry. There was an interesting topic at Christ Fellowship I spoke on Monday. Uh, to a hundred people in the ministry and their wives basically and how to be married in the ministry and stay pure because the devil really attacks pastors when the head of FPNL goes down that doesn't make the press when a pastor goes down it destroys the women of South Florida and not only that it destroys credibility for the ministry when Coy went down opening story US uh, Good Morning America just to make fun of us. Oh, yeah. All of us who claim to be Christians, and there are people watching us, and there are people looking at us, and we don't realize, how did I get in the mud? How did I get here? How did I get here? <coughs> yeah, this vine dresser wants to clean us. He wants to clean us. And there's a great fir first picture of the vine dresser, and it's in Genesis 3.8. Toward evening, they, meeting Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid themselves from him. Really? Verse 9 says, The Lord called to Adam, Where are you? He knows where you are. He wants you to have to admit where you are. What, what, Bob, what are you doing? Bob, what are you looking at? What are you clicking on? But the worst one is, Bob, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery, but I say if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes and mock you, if you even look at a woman, you've committed adultery with her in her heart. When the whatever's walking by. 
Yeah, stop, Bob. I know what goes through there. Stop. Son, I, I, I've got such amazing grapes for you to produce. Stop. And they were to produce to give it up. To give it up, not to hold, not to have, to give it up, to give it up, to give it up. Yeah, where are you? Adam replied in verse 10. I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Yeah, this, how does a person think they can hide from God? Better question than that. Why does anyone think they should hide from God? Best question, what's to be lost by hiding from God? The loss of discipline, the loss of, of my branch being bent, the loss of being used for great things where I get to say, Wow, and this is dumb, and I've told this story to you too many times, but we, we as a staff, we're looking for Miracle of the Month. We, we come together today at, at 10 for Bible study, staff Bible study, and I want, to hear, I want to hear the Miracle of the Month at Sheridan House. And Miracle of the Year for me, which is stupid to anybody else, was um, getting, a, getting a, a text from Greg, Greg Wallach, Best Roofing, asking if, you, if I wanted a box truck. And uh, uh, at Sheridan House, and if you go out the, the uh, north gate, you'll see a big black box truck with our logo on the side. And he sends me a picture of it. I'm getting rid of this box truck. Do you want it? And, and I said absolutely. And I wasn't sure why, but absolutely. We got a monster truck out there that was given by somebody else for us to pick up furniture and stuff. But the very next day, um, people from a corporation or a nonprofit—I don't know what they are—health department thing that are now the go-between between us and. Um, Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's gives us a pickup truck worth of food, steaks, vegetables, everything, every day, every day, every day, every day. And um, they love, we've got three walk-in freezers that Publix gave us years ago. They love everything. But they came to us and said, There's, we, we, we've got to solve something here. We cannot let you pick up food in a pickup truck because it's exposed to the elements on your way back to the Sheridan house. And so Rick's able to say, well, what about, the, I had texted him a picture of the box truck. Can we use this? And they say, do you have that? And he says, we were offered this yesterday. And these two pagans are looking at each other. Yeah, and so they say, oh, yeah, I mean, when do you get it? I said, well, we're picking it up tomorrow, and we'll get it painted, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, well, okay, for the next week, you can, and it's every day, you know, I'll pick a truckload. For the next whatever, you can use that. But the, So they call the next week to come back. Can we come back? We want to start giving you guys more stuff. I can't believe you got that truck. And they came back and we had the truck by then. And we have a pallet of mil of, of regular milk every we want to give you every week and a pallet of skim milk or two percent or whatever it is every week. Can you take that? Can you handle it out? And uh, it's four hundred gallons. And can you start taking from other grocery stores? And when these people are asking us how, I don't know how. <coughs> This is stupid, to tell you the truth. The, the truck arrives, the need arrives, and there it is. It's him. And can I tell you, the day we start taking credit for it is the day it will go away. Amen. And the day that I start doing uh, speaking at conventions on how to do this, when I really don't have a clue how to do this, you know, these church growth guys are killing me. How, how do you, I don't know how you do it. And can I tell your church, West Pines, worst location on the planet. Worst location. On I-27, and everybody told Roby, "Don't go there, don't go there," and it's exploding. Who know? Who, who, I don't know how, and it's in warehouses. Kill me. Yeah, the big deal here is. Don't hide from God. 
and when he's exposing the mud in your life, and we all, we all need to be bathed regularly. There's mud in our life. We need to be bathed. God says to him, because the gravity had taken them down into the mud. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten the fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now, can I say God knows that? He just wants us to admit it. Part of repenting is admit it. Yes, Adam admitted. <laughs> this is so cool. But it was the woman you gave me who brought me the fruit and I ate it. Yeah, first of all, it's your fault and her fault, not my fault. The woman you gave me. Then the Lord asked the woman, how could you do such a thing? That is cool. She goes, the serpent tricked me. She, she replied, that's why I ate it. It just seemed right. It just looked right. It just felt right, even though this said it wasn't right in my life. Absolutely. Question number five on your outline. Question, where are you? In this growing season, are you bound to God or are you growing on your own in the mud? Where are you? Because we each, because of Jesus, gets grafted into the vine. We get grafted. We're part of this incredible experience in our everyday life. But I, I got to stay out of the mud. I got to stay out of the mud. I'm the true vine, uh, John 15, 1 says. And my father is the gardener, verse 2. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I'm the vine. You are the branches, verse 5 says. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So my oldest is, child is my barbarian, Tori. Roby's our intellect. Kind of a dorky intellect, tell you the truth. He's our, yeah, thank you. He's our intellect. He, he and Rosemary, uh, you know, 4.0 all through everything in life. Uh, Tori's me. She's just a beautiful picture of me. And uh, when she was four or five, we're walking across the street. And I said, Tori, hold my hand. And I, I don't need your hand anymore. It was awesome. I said, hold my hand. I reached down and grabbed my hand. We're walking across the street. And she's trying to pull her hand out of my hand. And I'm clamping it. And she tries even more, and I'm clamping it even harder. And she says, Daddy, you're hurting my hand. I said, no, you're hurting your hand. Don't pull it out. And she's just looking at me and stops trying to pull it out. And I probably, I mean, I am squishing that hand, that little plump hand. And she's just, no, Tori, you're hurting your hand. Don't pull it out. Father, you're hurt. No, you are, Bob. You are. Stop. Abide in me. Pursue me. Obey me. Get your eyeballs right, son. Get, every, get your thought life right. Obey me. Because yes, I am the vine. You're the branches. We can do so, so much together. You know, why, why would anyone attempt independence from God? It doesn't make sense to be, I got this. Well, number six. We often find ourselves striving for independence because we think we know better about us. We think we know better about us. And so one of the things, this group that came down uh, to look at Sheridan House and talk about Sheridan House, they asked me, did you ever consider leaving Sheridan House? And I said, yeah, three times. 
Um, and they said, and you didn't. I said, I didn't because I woke up. I didn't because I have a wife who helped me wake up. And I was leaving for all the wrong reasons. Number one reason, more money. And one was three times as much money. And I was captivated by the money. The other was ego. All the wrong reasons. It's so not him. And the, the, the fourth reason was it was during a difficult season, a hard season. And, and the, the evil one took me by the apple tree. Look at that. This looks great. This is great. And fortunately, I'm married to a Midwest wife who does. Who, are you going for money? And I never would tell her how much money they were offering. And but unfortunately, she sat at a table at a banquet. At a, they came to town, took me out to uh, to dinner at a restaurant I'd never been in, nor could I afford. And then they put the money on the table. I'll never forget her on the way home from this meeting. This is how much it is, and. Uh, and, she's, and we're driving home, and Rosemary says, that was disgusting. And I said, what was disgusting? She said, when they told you the money, you leaned in. I said, I did not lean in. She said, oh, no, oh, no, you leaned in on that. You leaned in. Rose, I was sitting next to you, and you leaned in. She said, it was disgusting. And I, I, it was a long drive home from Fort Lauderdale that night. So yeah. Over what, your head. Yes. Oh, I think I... I <laughs> you're where you're supposed to be. You're in a hard time at work right now. Stop. And every time I finally did what the smart person says to do, because she's, she's pretty much much of the Holy Spirit in my life, it's when God exploded things and did things exceedingly and abundantly beyond all I would ask or imagine. So one reason is I, we think we know better than God. Another one is God takes so long. Whoa, whoa, son. I don't take long. You take long. It's you. I, I, can, I can do everything instantly. But you're a, Bob, you're a remedial learner, son. <laughs> Your wife gets it. That's why we're driving home uh, two Wednesday nights ago, and she's got this Bible study in Fort Lauderdale uh, at First Baptist Ladies Bible Study. She's got one. I've got one. Uh, and her total Bible study count is between five and 600. And we're driving home. And she's got 570 plus up in Fort Lauderdale. And she says, you, you, you do know why I have so many in my Bible study, right? And I whine Sunday morning. I whine about how big hers is and that women are needy and men maybe don't need Bible study. I don't know. And I, 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 it's awesome. I get booed some Sunday morning by these awesome women. So we're driving. You, you know why mine's bigger. And I said, what do you think? She said, because my last name is Barnes. I said, let me give you the logic on that. You have 270 plus on Wednesday night. I have between 40 and 45. If your logic was right, I'd have five or 600. The reason, Rosemary, and you will never accept this, is humility. And I'm still working on that part right there. Humility. Lord, you take so long. I take so long because you've got to get it right, Bob. Yeah. Or letter C. We don't completely, completely trust God. We don't trust God completely. Yeah. The sole purpose of the plant is not to enjoy being a plant, not to enjoy soaking up the sun, not to enjoy producing fragrant, beautiful fruit. No. It's, it, that's all self-centered. The sole purpose of the plant is to yield fruit to God. Is to yield fruit that God can use. Is to let it go of our stuff or whatever. Just let it go. I'm the vine. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But I have to acknowledge that this vine I'm attached to is you, Lord, and 
everything I produce is yours. Everything, everything, everything. And I have to continually look at the areas that need to be pruned and get them lined up right. Yeah, people settle for a smaller personal harvest because they don't really, and if I were to rewrite this, it's really and completely trust God with all their heart, with all their heart. Yeah, Tori fought me on holding hands crossing the street. Had to do a little squeeze pruning. And we die laughing about that today. Do I trust him? Bob, I'm the vine. I paid a huge price to graft you into the vine. I, I know the plans I have for you. Let it go. Let go of this control. Stop it, son. Give me the remote control to your life. Stop it. And then be a noticer. And then be a blessing to the people around you for Christ and for his glory. Let it go. To live the life I was meant to live, all I need to do is stay fully connected to the vine and trust the actions of the vine dresser. And trust the actions. So the bottom line here, the, the question for today as you're driving is, how do I stay connected to you, Lord, number one? Number two, what are the areas of my life that are getting a little muddy? That are getting a little muddy? And it's different for everybody. I know mine. I, I know mine. I have to continually fight that finances and having backup finances makes me feel safe. Makes me feel safe. I've got to decide that, no, you're the one that keeps me safe. You're the one that keeps me safe. I got to decide to let it go. So I have two friends that went out together, successful guys, professional, and together and bought Maseratis together. They went to the dealership together. Nothing wrong with Maseratis. Nothing wrong with nice cars, except for this final statement. They went out, and uh, John uh, said to uh, Robert, we cannot tell Barnes we bought Maseratis. Now, I'm not their Holy Spirit, but if you got to hide something from somebody, uh, there's a problem there. Let it go. Let it go. He knows the plans he has for you. I'm convinced when we get to heaven and meet the greats, we're going to find out how average they are. And they were just doing average things like Moses being a shepherd and all of a sudden gets called to incredible. Joseph, a slave, called to incredible. What you're doing might not be your destination. But the fun thing is you don't have to figure that out. I never thought I'd be doing this. Problem for me is I came to Christ. Then the next season came to South Florida with my fraternity uh, to do Fort Lauderdale like we did last year. And now I have to figure out how to do Fort Lauderdale spring break as a Christian. Wow. And my fraternity brothers are doing all the things they're doing. And I'm sitting on the beach not with them uh, all day and late into the night just asking God, okay, this is difficult, I know what they're doing and it's fun and I'd like to be doing that, but why am I here? And realize, because you want to live here, son. And your brother, little brother needs help and he's down here. And I never would have dreamed of being here. And then to get to be here, <coughs> I didn't plot this out. He knows the plans he has for you. Your only responsibility is connect, stay connected, serve him produce fruit and let him have it fathers we go out of here today it's so assuring and reassuring to know that you know the plans you have for us 
And Lord, my temperament is, would you just text them to me? Can I just know them all? Oh, son, it's so much easier than that. Just trust me, live for me, give you up for me, and, and start by serving the people around you, starting with your wife. We love you, Lord. Use us to bring the great revival for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. For previous messages, as well as other resources, you can visit us at sheridanhouse.org backslash MBS or call us at 954-583-1552. We hope you can join us again next week.